Let's do something just a little different as we introduce our study from God's Word this morning. A ministry of remembrance. Think for one minute with me about a person who's loved you, encouraged you, helped you, and made sacrifices for you to be the person you are today. Think about some human being, a parent perhaps. Think about a spouse. Think about a family member, a teacher, a coach, a special friend, a mentor who made a great investment of themselves in you. Who loved you. Who encouraged you. Who helped you immeasurably. Who sacrificed for you. Think about that person or persons for a moment with me. Faces should go through your mind, events in time, emotions. An exercise like this is good for a variety of reasons. One, it causes us to realize yet again the impact of memory. The impact of memory. But secondly, and I suspect even more importantly, Memory is a faculty given us by God that ought to be used to His praise and glory. Memory is a faculty given us by God that ought to be utilized to His praise and glory. When we think about our memories, however, often our blessings are written in dust and can be wiped away easily. But it seems our injuries are written in marble, in stone, and are often long-lasting. It seems to me that this is really just the opposite impact that God would want memory to have in our lives in that it's a faculty that ought to be utilized to the praise and glory of God. If our memories were more mindful of our blessings and of the goodness of God in our lives, I think that we would face our trials and difficulties better, don't you? And I think our attitudes would be much more Christ-like. Talk about having this mind in you, which was also in Christ. 
Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Today I want to talk to you about a ministry of remembrance. It is amazing, it's astounding how memory impacts our lives on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Imagine not being able to remember anything. Without memory, we would truly be lost, wouldn't we? Imagine not recalling how to turn off an alarm. Imagine not being able to recall how to dress yourself. How to drive to the church building. Imagine not being able to recall the name of a single person in our assembly, many of whom most of us have known for years. Imagine not being able to recall the name of your spouse or your children or your family members. Now, I realize that with dementia and with Alzheimer's disease and other things, memory can be affected. But there's a syndrome out there called Korsakoff's syndrome. And what's so dangerous and hideous about this particular disease is there is a point in time where a person may have an absolutely splendid memory. They may have tremendous recall. But it's as if at that particular point in time, a certain point in time, they lost all ability to remember. Imagine being a person of 70 years of age and 25 years ago you lost the ability to remember anything. You couldn't remember your children marrying, perhaps. You couldn't remember ever having grandchildren. And every day, these things would have to be told you. Only for you to have forgotten them each day. The Bible is full of information, data concerning memory, Psalm 8, verse 4, What is man that you are mindful of him? That you recall him. That you remember him in his needs, in his plight. What is man? In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 15, the Word of God talks about how that the Israelites were to remember that God led them out of Egypt out of slavery, with outstretched arm and with mighty hand, he led them. And then Deuteronomy 5 says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God remembers. Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, were to remember A wise man said in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12 and verse 1, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come, 
<clears throat> and the years come when you shall say, I have no pleasure in them. We consider those to be extremely wise words, don't we? In the New Testament, Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. If you look at verse 12, verse 13, and verse 15, three times he mentions the word remind, or recall, or remember. I will stir your minds up by way of remembrance. These are things that you know, and you are established in the present truth, but I want you to remember yet again, to have a renewed experience of God and His truth in your life. And then in 2 Timothy 2 verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, declared to you by my gospel. Memory. It really has an impact in our lives, and it is a God-given faculty that should be utilized to God's praise and honor and glory. I want to look at three truths concerning memory and the ministry of remembrance we have as God's people. The first truth has to do with illustrating memory, illustrating memory. The second truth, the meaning of memory. And the third truth, the practicality or usefulness of, ministry, uh, of memory, all right? In our ministry, in our service to God. In illustrating memory, one of the ways that it's often done is to speak of it as a mooring. A mooring that ties a boat or ship to a dock. Or to the anchor that's anchored somewhere securely. What memory does, ladies and gentlemen, is phenomenal. It helps us to be able to recall the past so as to live in the present and to chart more effectively our future. It anchors and stabilizes us through life. You know, we often say, those who can't remember the past are doomed to repeat it. It's very true to life, isn't it? Because memory serves as a mooring to stabilize and to anchor us in our lives. Think about Hebrews 6. 18 and 19, that speaks of our hope, our anchor of the soul. God keeps His Word. He keeps His promises. We can describe or illustrate memory as a mooring. Here's another one. A storehouse. I like that particular illustration. We store things up in the storehouse of our memory. Sometimes we store things up and we know that they're in that storehouse somewhere, but we can't find them for the life of us. You know what I mean? Other things are easily found. 
memories that are precious to us, though they are in the storehouse of our memory banks, as we might call them, we can pull them out and think about them often. And often they give us significant joy and pleasure. And sometimes difficult memories will still bring tears as we think about them. A storehouse. God has given us this remarkable faculty to be anchored and stabilized by and to put things up in, to treasure and store up so that we might live as we should in the present and we will think properly about the future. I love these two. Got a cow there, a nice Hereford. Memory has been called the stomach of the mind. That's a pretty good one. Cows have four stomachs. The stomach of the mind. And you know how a cow is able to take in some some grass, some hay? Chew it a little bit and swallow and then it can can bring it up again and and think about it and digest it and mull it over. And, And we would think about ruminating. That's one of those words we don't use a whole lot. Meditating. Chewing on it for a while. Think of your memories as the stomach of your mind where you can digest things and you can taste again the joys, the sorrows, the bitterness, the peace of things that you have experienced in your life. A camera. Up until recent years, this was probably one of the most basic ways of illustrating, of describing memory. Because as we go through life, there are scenes, there are people, there are distances and effects that we can just kind of take a snapshot and it sticks in our mind. You know what I mean? Some of those snapshots never seem to fade very much. Others do over time. I recall many years ago with our son David, he and I were playing outside. And a lady came over from across the street. And David was only about two or three at the time and said, I just saw you playing and I want to get a couple of pictures of you. And one of the things that David did, little boy, two or three that he was, was he laid on his stomach, put his hands to his cheeks like this, and laying down, she took a picture. Well, about 30 years have gone by right now, but that picture is still very clear in my memory. Do you have photographs of memory in your mind. 
where you can see those big eyes and you can see the youthfulness and you can see the idea that I'm sitting here, I'm laying here, but I'd really rather be playing with my dad. How dare you ask us to be getting pictures made at this time? We all have snapshots. Now, maybe your film has been exposed over time. Maybe you've not developed the photographs as well as you'd like. But there's that sense. How about the computer? After all, the ability to deal with data. The ability to deal with data. You know, I think all of these illustrations are helpful, but a computer will never be able to feel and to sense and to taste memories the way a human being can. A camera will never be able to taste and feel and sense the memories the way a human being can. Oh, the wonders of God's creation. And oh, the wonder of being able to remember. Can I get an amen there? (laughs) Can I get an amen there? Thank you. Okay, thought, thought I was going to have to get the baptistry involved in a minute here. Amen, baptistry. Okay. I thought that that was a really good time for an amen. But anyway, let's look at the second truth. The meaning, the definition of memory. If you were to look at the word in the Bible, it occurs over 300 times in all of its forms. An amazing number uh, of verses talk about to recall, to remember, to bring to mind, to recall a person, a place, or an event. One of the big mistakes that people often made regarding memory, biblical memory, as well as our own individual memories, we think of them as being limited to cognitive recall. But that's not really true. There's more to memory than just being able to recall a person and their face and their name or a place, or to recall an event. Because when you recall a person, or a face, or a name, or event, there's often a lot of history there, and an experience there. Memory has to do with three basic realms. The first realm is the ability to encode Something. In other words, when you, you, I talked about Korsakoff syndrome and the inability to remember things at a certain point in time, there's also a disease called HDAM, highly developed autobiographical memory, hyperthymesia. Hyperthymesia, only about 50 people in the United States have this particular disease, but it is an ability to not forget. 
anything. Now, Wayland, think about that. And think about not being able to forget all of the wrongs that people had done to you. Think about not being able to forget all of the sins you had committed against someone else. It could be devastating, couldn't it? You talk about something that could drive you mad. So when you complain sometime about your forgetter, think about what it would be like if to remember everything. And praise God for the fact that you don't. Encoding. Our mind tends to be uh, selective in what it recalls, attaching various levels of importance to things. And then when you look at the next one, storage. To encode, to store, to retrieve. Those are the three basic areas of memory. Sometimes we have problems sending that information, encoding it. Sometimes there's problems storing it. And sometimes there's difficulties retrieving it. But those are some basics of memory, looking at its meaning. But what I want you to understand about memory is this. Memory is a matter of cognition. It is a matter of the mind. Some people exercise those muscles and others attribute better uh, priorities to memories maybe than do others. But memory is a matter of the mind, of cognition, but it's also a matter of volition, of the will. There's some things that happen in our lives, we'll say, I'll never forget that. And you know what? That's a matter of volition, isn't it? It's so profound, so life-changing, so life-transforming that I'm not going to ever forget this. A marriage, the birth of a child, a baptism into Christ, a passing from this life into a better one, death. Memory is a matter of emotion because I think with our memories we feel something. We feel things, don't we? We don't sing a song like Precious Memories for no reason. And often we sing that hymn at a funeral. Memory, a matter of cognition and volition and emotion, but action. Because often when we think about a memory... I was visiting with Clay Mims the other day and we were talking about memories and then he started talking about how he and his dear wife Margaret had gone to Yellowstone, wasn't it, Brother Clay, with another couple and you talked about the great times that you had. And you know what he did when he was talking about it? You grinned from ear to ear because that was a great memory, wasn't it? An action body response often follows real memories. 
types of memory. This is kind of an interesting thing to know in light of Scripture. Think about this. There is such a thing, a type of memory, that you can call declarative memory. Let me give you some examples. Uh, Adam here is working with the young people in Pew Packers. How many books are in the Bible? Response? 66. How many are in the Old Testament? How many are in the New? You declare facts. 27's right. Good job. Because you have rehearsed those constantly. And it's, 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 it, you can almost just spit them out without thinking a whole lot. Columbus sailed the ocean blue in declarative memory. It's a memory for names. You have to work at it, but some people are really quite good at it, aren't they? A memory for faces. You ever find yourself saying, I know that face, I know that face, I know that... What's their name? What's their name? But it's a form of declarative memory. Uh... Dates. Dates. September 11th, 2001. World Trade Towers bombed. Declarative memory. Here's another kind of memory, and think about this. There's some things that you learn through the years just by rehearsal. Oh, listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of... Paul Revere, that's declarative memory. But there's also episodic memory. Episodic memory. And episodic memory is tied to context and to location. To context and location. Muscle milk, that's your nickname, isn't it, with your family back there. You killed a buck the other day. Got that news. Really nice one. You are going to remember shooting that buck and where you shot it, the place and the location. It's going to stick with you for a while. I think it was your first one, wasn't it? All right. You think about these things and you associate a place A context. And the memories flood. Adam this morning in his Bible class was explaining a lot of his psyche to us for those of us who are shade tree psychologists because he went to a three-room school in first through fifth grade, correct? Location, location, location. Context and location. Vacations. Family times. These are all part of episodic memory. Third, sensory or procedural. I learned to type while I was in high school. And I can still type pretty good for a guy. I type about 80 to 90 words a minute. The term for that, after a while, is called touch typing, isn't it? Because you can just remember it. 
You've done it. How about changing a light bulb? I realize there may be Aggies present this morning, but you realize that if you've changed one, you pretty well got a handle on how to change light bulbs. Isn't that right? How about driving a car or riding a bike? These are things that we just, we've learned how to do. Our senses have been engaged, and you don't forget too easily, do you? Imagine having more thoughts of God that were not just declarative, but episodes, moments where I can see His grace and goodness in my life and where all of my senses were engaged to praise Him and think about how great and wondrous He's been. And here is really, I think, the most wondrous aspect or type of memory reflective memory. And Steve, it's the ability to pull one of those events from the past. One of those snapshots or pictures that you had in the storehouse of your mind and to some degree you can relive it and it's as if you're tasting it all over again. And you're moved by it. Oh, the times I have gone to nursing homes over the years in a place that was probably full of people who couldn't remember quite as well as they would like and we would begin singing hymns like how great thou art or we would sing a children's hymn song like Jesus loves me and it never fails You see lips moving. The ability to so recall the past and past experiences and think about this memory that it becomes part of our DNA. That brings me to a third truth. The meaning the meaning of memory, going from this meaning now to its usefulness. God is ever true to His Word and true His children. Memory teaches me that. Memory should teach you that, that God is ever true to His Word and His children. Practicality. You know, these up on this particular slide are some very common ways of remembering things. Repeat what you've heard verbally, orally, so you hear it. Make associations. Some people uh, build mind castles to associate things. Some people write things down. You take notes during sermons, things like that. Keep post-it notes. Divide information into manageable chunks. Outlining, structuring, listing, the practicality of memory. Now think about this with me in the first place. Memory promotes thankfulness. Psalm 105 verses 1 through 5. One remembers God's deeds, God's name, 
and God's mighty works and miracles promotes gratitude. Remember Luke 17, 11 through 9, when Jesus heals ten lepers? How many of them come back to tell him thank you? One. The society of the thankless nine. Memory should promote gratitude. Secondly, memory raises hope. In Luke chapter 23, verses 42 and 43, a dying thief said to our Lord, Remember me when you go into your kingdom. And Jesus responds, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Do you think he gave that fellow hope? Paul would recall... The work of faith, the steadfastness of hope, the labor of love of the Thessalonian Christians. Memory promotes gratitude. Memory raises our hope about God and His keeping His word to us as His children. Third, memory prompts repentance. Peter remembered what the Lord had said, that he would have denied the Lord three times when the rooster crowed, and he went out and he wept bitterly. Matthew 26 and verse 75. Memory will prompt repentance when we've sinned. Memory will foster humility. In John 13, verses 12 through 17, Jesus says, I have left you an example. He left an example of humble service. And it stuck in the minds of the apostles present on that occasion. And is recorded for our information and for our emulation of what Jesus did. It fosters humility. Memory, the ability to remember, warns of unbelief and disobedience. Unbelief and disobedience. Three words in English. Luke 17, 32. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. There are warnings of unbelief and disobedience throughout Scripture. Think about this one. You know, we were talk, we've been talking about memory. We should give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest happily we let them slip or we drift from them. Memory is a mooring that stabilizes and anchors us throughout our lives. Memory encourages belief and obedience. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 13 of a woman who had anointed him, wherever the gospel is preached, this will be spoken of as a memorial to her. Memory displays a heart for the poor. 
Only remember the poor. Galatians 2 and verse 10. Memory exalts Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, offspring of David, according to my gospel. Memory motivates us to greater growth, forgetting the things that are past and pressing on to what lies ahead. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. But lastly, think about this one. Memory forms our identity. It is part of what makes us unique. And yet it is part of what brings us together as the people of God. Truths that we cherish. Responses that we have given to God and to the gospel. It forms our identity individually and collectively as the church. Because we are people who've experienced salvation. People who have come to the Lord in obedience. People that are looking forward to a home together with God. Now stop and think about this. And we will start heading for the finish line. The practicality and the value and the place of memory in worship. Virtually every table where the Lord's Supper is served in this country also has the inscription, This do what? In remembrance of me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to know that every aspect of our worship depends upon memory. When we sing songs, many times they are songs that reflect events of the past. As Logan led us early this morning, he led us in the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Lamentations 3, 22 through 25, straight out of Scripture. Our worship is absolutely saturated with memory. When we pray, we remember God's past blessings, don't we? His present goodness. And we think about the future. How about giving in memory? God has been so good to me, therefore I want to give generously and graciously. Memory. When the proclamation of the Word, when preaching and teaching is done, all preachers are our remembrancers to help people to see and remember and taste and sense and feel and experience one more time all the amazing things that God does. And all of the promises He has made in His Word. How about evangelism? Aren't you glad that you can tell a person what to do to be saved? Isn't that a, member of, a matter of memory? 
and you care for souls and you, you understand something of the value of a soul, isn't that about memory too? How about fellowship? In close to 20 years here, there have been some wonderful brethren and some wonderful occasions where we've all been together. God's people here who are part of this congregation. In recent times, we gathered for a welcome circle for two that just came to Christ. you think that they're going to remember that probably for a while? On the day they came to Christ, the assembly of God's people gathered round to welcome them. in fellowship and encouragement and support. I took this picture several months back. A double rainbow just happened to be over the building where the West Side Church of Christ meets. And I remembered that the rainbow was given by God as a promise for us to remember that He would never destroy the world again by water. Isn't memory a a marvelous thing? Isn't it a tremendous faculty given to us by God that ought to be used to His praise and glory? And for those of us who are Christians that spend far too much time thinking about bad memories and awful times, God forgive you for that. And God forgive me too. Because memory is a faculty that ought to make us love God more. That should constantly remind us of His grace and goodness. And should constantly assure us that every promise He makes comes true. We have a ministry of remembrance. It may be that there's a person here in this assembly who has not come to Christ in faith, repentance, and baptism. Why are you waiting? Why do you want to live with these kind of memories or try to push them off to the side, repressing those memories? Why not come to Jesus now and respond to His love and mercy and grace? And through your faith and confession of Jesus as the Son of God and repentance, your desire to turn from sin and your baptism in water for the forgiveness of sins be added to the Lord's church, the church of Christ. I want to use my memory to glorify God. Don't you? Say that with me. I want to use my memory to glorify God. All together now, I want to use my memory to the glory of God. Let us stand and sing.